Seven albums rather than six. Because <laughs> that was a really good idea. That was a really good idea, wasn't it? At the time. <laughs> so, we've got new albums on Queenstone Age, Black Sabbath, uh, Transplants, Katie Tunstall, Camera Obscura, Disclosure, and Pet Shop Boys. So, without further ado, let's just roll. Queens of the Stone Age, <laughs> Like Clockwork, Peter. I really like this album. Um, and that was only after a second listen. To be frank with you, uh, I found, and I don't know whether it's the heat, but I have to say this particular collection of, of albums that we're about to talk about presented various challenges um, but the first album I listened to was Queens of the Stone Age like Clockwork um, I have to say it's alright quite, it's quite um, um, no I am rushing I need to slow down um, it's, it's, it's quite um, a melodic album in, in places it's not full on rock or full on metal or whatever your conceptions are of what is a, a quintessential Queens of the Stone Age album um, but it's quite short, so it was a good listen. Yeah, um, it's short. It is quite short, and it had a fairly good mix of sort of rock rockers um, or alt alt rock numbers, and a few of quieter ballady numbers as well. Um, and my general observation of the album is that uh, whilst many people have said of the influence that um, Josh Holm has had on the Arctic Monkeys, for example. Yeah. I wonder if we're beginning to see a bit of a, a splashback, pardon the phrase, um, of the Arctic Monkeys on um, on Queens of the Stone Age. There, there, there was that sort of indie vibe running through it that well, perhaps has been there previously but was highlighted on this particular record. Yeah, I think Alex Turner is one of the many guest vocalists mm. on the album. I think yeah, he's on there somewhere. I think if I had a tail, I think, although no doubt someone will correct me. Mm. Um yeah, I thought I, I, was, I was the same. Uh, this is in common with uh, an album we'll get to later, or perhaps not too later. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a few listens for this to really gel with me. Mm. A, couple, a couple of tracks aside, it wasn't really grabbing me from the off the way the previous album um, albums by then. Yeah, pre- no, the one pre- previous album era, it's era Vongaris, mm. mm. uh, which kind of hit me straight away. Uh, so this is uh, taking me. I think I think it takes repeat listens to kind of get into. When you do do that, I think as you say, there are, there's some stuff that's your kind of typical Queens of the Stone Age kind of stuff. Um, so rock songs with mel- melodic bits and jaggy bits and great hooks. So uh, mm. I sat by the ocean, my mm, yeah. the sun. Yeah. Um, I appear missing. Fine examples of that. Uh, and then you've got bizarre things, or slightly more bizarre things like Pelopsia. Which starts off with this kind of 60s kind of thing. And, yes. then, and then kind of morphs into a kind of Ziggy Stardust Bowie rock song. Yeah. And it, um, Bowie, um, Fairweather Friends, 
there's a real Bowie-like vocal in there as well. Yeah, a fellow um, friend. A fellow friend's fellow friend's that has not only uh, Mark Lanigan in it, mm. uh, returning to the fray for one song, um, but also, of course, Elton John on piano. And really? Oh, right. Oh, okay. So my 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 seventies eighties ear was tuned. Yeah. Yeah. And also Trent Reznor appears in the album. Jake Shear appears in the album. Uh, Mrs. Hom. Brody Dahl appears on the album. Hey. Um, I think the original idea was that uh, Trent was possibly going to produce. He's a busy man. Um, <laughs> I think they didn't see quite eye to eye on the production thing. However, <laughs> I can't imagine why. However, he does appear on uh, Colopsia and Fair with the Friends. Oh, right, I didn't know that. There you um, go. But yeah, I mean, I think I think it's one of those classics. Though, but if you if you are a Queens of Stone Age fan, I think you're gonna yeah. you're gonna gonna like it. And have all kind of rock bands hard rock bands that have come out in the last kind of a you know couple of decades they are, they are I still think one of the more interesting ones musically I agree so moving on have you got a new carpet in here I have got a new carpet you have to smell here. it I love that new carpet now <laughs> yeah it's almost clean in here it's almost clean in this is like the cleanest it's been in like three years yeah, <laughs> speaking of clean sorry the clean sound of heavy metal, back to the 70s, except not, but yes, yeah. and the new Black Sabbath album. First time the original members, or at least three of the original members, have been back together for a studio album since 78. Yeah. Uh, album's called 13, because it's the 13th album, blah de blah de blah de blah mm-hmm. And I was expecting this to be awful. Um, well, not awful, but I wasn't expecting, <laughs> to, I wasn't expecting to like it as much as, as, much as I actually do. Uh, I think the first few big power chords are the, on the opening track, uh, end of the beginning. I think you kind of know where you are immediately. You kind of sort of kind of heavy, literally that kind of heavy guitar sound that's been, you know, used and ripped off by by the likes of Queen of Stone Age, Metallica, and most of the modern rock bands, really. Mm. And also, I kind of like the almost kind of a slide couplet of opening couplet of, of is, is this the beginning of the end. Or the end of the beginning, um, which I think is a nice, work, nice lyric. It's like, you know, are they going to make another album, or is is this the last kind of album that mm. the original Sabbath lineup will make? So I think the opening song is a really, really good track. I think it follows up with "God Is Dead," which I think is another classic mm. kind of Sabbath thing with big guitars and drums. Uh, got an instant classic, dare I say? Uh, and the rest of the album is uh, pretty solid. It has to be said. I think I think you've got some some decent. Straight out rockers like Loner, Age of Re- Age of Reason, mixed with kind of a nice little ballad, Zeitgeist, with a really nice guitar solo on. And then I think there's a really good kind of classic kind of blues riff with it on a damaged soul, which I really like, just towards the end of the album. Mm. Um, and the final track on the normal version of the album, as opposed to the ultra extended thing, which are always ah. is um, <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> It's Dear Father, which is a nice song, song oh, about, about yeah. uh, uh, priests and paedophilia. You've got lines like, you prayed upon my flesh, then prayed for my soul. Oh, yes. Belief betrayed my lust, the faith that you stole, which I quite liked. Uh, I actually think if you stick to that, it's actually not a bad album. Yeah. I think I think the three tracks that follow it, Me- uh, Methodemic, Peace of Mind and Pariah, whilst mm. uh, Pariah just contain a great riff, I think it they are weaker than the preceding tracks and... I wouldn't particularly 
count them as part of the album. I, 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 I could agree strongly with that last statement. Um, yeah, I, I could agree with uh, also with a lot of what you've said on this. Um, it's it's a solid album. I was going to try and get through this podcast without saying it. Now, it is a solid metal album, as you know. My my penchant for the metal. However, I've disproved my penchant for the metal over the last few yeah, years. Yeah, make it more on, on a similar similar tone later on in the podcast. <laughs> yes, um, over over the years, I have disproved my um, my uh, penchant. I've actually you know an admirer of the metal. De- um, yeah, the elements are all there. It's a very clean sound. Um, Rick Rubin. Yeah, it really has Rubin Rubenized him. Yeah. Ah, okay. So very clean sound, um, very sort of the, the, the base camp for for metal. It's very much what you would expect a Black Sabbath album to sound like. This could have been recorded in the nineteen seventies, to it be honest with you. Yes. Um, but that's I not. Would, I wouldn't disagree. But not to detract from that. Um, some great guitar work, especially some great drum work. I think you've already said that though. My only gripe with it was um, it was a little bit in the sort of same ballpark in terms of the theme all the way through. Um, but then again, if you're a Black Sabbath fan, you'd be very content with this record. Um, I made the mistake of listening to the extended version, which means that by the end of the album, my, my view of the album as a whole had, had perhaps shifted on fairly towards the negative. I think. So, I also think part of that problem is actually partly down to Mr. Rubin because I, I think. I think. Really? I think. I think the album's been mastered. Doesn't even say badly as such, but I think because it's been compressed quite mm. a lot. It means there's not a lot of space for the, yeah, the guitars and stuff. So if you listen to the whole thing, and particularly the extended, the extended thing, and particularly in headphones, mm. I think it becomes uh, a bit of a chore. Okay. To get to get get through because it's it's too much of a muchness, and you're not getting any light and dark. No pun intended from a metal <laughs> kind of point of view, but you aren't getting that in the in the kind of in the kind of mix. Yeah. And I think that you, your your brain. Finds it hard that's, to... a, that's a very good point because actually, on the first listen of this album, I thought it did just, just sound all the same, all the same level, not just musically, but 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 you know, not yeah, yeah, not musically, pretty much but, saying, but, yeah. but all the same. Um, and 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 that was a very difficult uh, sort of session to listen to. But you've made a very good point now in terms of in terms of how this album should be listened to yeah. is through loudspeakers. Indeed, right. Speaking of loud music, we've come to the the third and final of our kind of. Rock Trio. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is the third album from The Transplants, which is the side project of Rancid's Tim Armstrong and Blink-182's <laughs> really? Travis Barker. Um, follows up from their uh, their first album, which came out in 2002, uh, self-titled debut album, and then there was a follow-up in 2004. Right. Uh, and they haven't done anything since this one. Right. The question is, should they have bothered doing this one? Tricky, because I actually thought it had a quite a strong start. Um, the first few tracks um, alright let's take what Inner Warzone to one side the first few tracks after the opening track um, were I actually thought were very good to see it see it to believe it and come around in particular um, I, I thought oh this is, this is quite a good album this you know it's got it's got the thrash it's got the metal it's got the rock it's got the old rock yeah. um, alternative sound but then I thought as the album went on it again just sounded a little bit all the same um not very much, not not as creative as that first burst of energy that you get in the first sort of third of the album. Although hats off to anyone that manages to sample Neville Chamberlain's Declaration of War. This is true. Yes, that is quite. <laughs> Bonus impressive. point for that. 
Uh, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the same. I, I mean, I loved their de- de- debut album. Uh, the debut album was great. It had um, brilliant songs, Tall Cans in the Air, DJ DJ Said But True, and Diamonds and Guns, which are obviously featured in a hair product advert not too long afterwards. Uh, <laughs> the follow-up album was a bit meh mm. by comparison. And I think this is pretty much the same. It yeah. kind of feels a bit tired and lacking in new ideas, really. Mm. And particularly lacking any any ideas that you wouldn't already find on uh, maybe a Rancid album or a Blink-182 album. Mm. Um, it's not different enough, really, from yeah, those bands. Which is, yeah, which is not to say that it, yeah, it, it's bad as such, it's just a bit underwhelming. I yeah. mean, I'm the same with you. I think, I think See It To Believe It is a fine punk pop song. Yes. Uh, and I also quite liked it when they tried to be a bit more expansive uh, which they did in the first couple of albums as well. Uh, so with something different, with the guest raps from Bun B and Equipto. Mm-hmm. Neither of whom I'd heard of before, I have to confess. Uh, and I also liked the kind of Dick Dale sampling on It's a Problem. <laughs> uh, so I kind of, uh, that whole guitar thing. Yeah. So that was all right, but overall I would just say download the first album, Transplants, Transplants. That's really good. There are the two albums, not really worth bothering Okay. About. Moving swiftly on. And turning the volume down. And turning the volume down, yes, indeed turning the volume down. Uh, we come to Katie Tunstall's latest album, Invisible Empire uh, Stroke Crescent Moon. Hmm. Uh, apparently the story behind that is the fact that it was recorded in two, two uh, sessions, uh, a few months apart. Um, so the first session was meant to be a kind of reflection on um, death and loss, because she lost her father. Last, last year, and the second, uh, more to do with uh, reflecting on personal life in general, following the separation from herself and her as then husband, who was also a person in her band. Uh, so that's the kind of story behind it. Right. Again, like the, like I said with Queens of Stone Age, this is one of those albums where, until last night, and despite being a Katie Tunstall fan, I was actually ready to give it a bit of kicking. Mm. Because um, on the first two listens, it just kind of floated by in a kind of haze of bland nothingness. Mm. And I kind of was starting to wonder what had happened to the person that made Eye of the Telescope and Drastic Fantastic several years ago. But I have to say, on the third listen, and to quote the lady herself, I had a suddenly I see moment. Oh! And the subtleties of the album started to open up to me more than they had to before. I mean, it's a very sparse <laughs> and understated record yeah. uh, with simple, but I quite think at the time it's quite effective arrangements. Um, so I think you know, on tracks such as How, How You Kill Me, there's a nice uh, kind of smoky jazz tone to her voice that I hadn't heard before, which I quite, quite liked. Um, duet with um, the producer, uh, Huey Gelb. Um, Ch- on Chimes, I thought was really nice. Um does it feel it all? It's a really good poppy poppy tune. It ends on a poppy you know, tune. Yeah. You know, with a nice reverb guitar. And, and I also like the kind of clarinet in uh, the song Honeydew, which I thought was really nice. So I, I, I thought it was a nice record, half of it kind of quality material, most of which would seem to me to be on the kind of latter part, so on the Crescent Moon side. Um, but overall it's let down by too many average songs getting in the way of it really flowing. Yeah. Um, well, I was all ready to slate it too until you gave me some of the background there on, on her own life experience for the last <laughs> couple of years, so now I feel awful. Um, no, I can, again, agree completely. Uh, the Crescent Moon half 
is is the better half, as it were, of, of the of the record. Um, again, yeah, it it was all of a tone, all of a, a bit like the Black Sabbath album, all of a yeah, of a I, certain I, level. Yeah, only very, very, very quiet all the way through, which did, like yourself, make me wonder what happened to. Um, but as you say, some songs on there where she is able to sing in perhaps an unexpected style as to previous Katie Tunstall albums um, and and actually when you go back and listen to it again a very a, a pleasant if quiet listen so it's it's one that you've got to try you've got to give, give it a couple of listens at least for it, yeah. for it to sort of seep in and, and take a hold because otherwise you will you will sort of walk away from this thinking what a disappointment and you have to sit down and listen to it as well yes not a... you can't be doing not that you know, yeah. we're doing other things when we're <laughs> doing these things. Um, usually, I'm just staring out of a train window, so that helps. That's good. That's <laughs> get some get some scenery in there, but uh, nothing too distracting though, because you need to sort of pay attention to to the modulation of of, of, of the songs on this. Um, so yeah, second second half better than than first half. So moving on, I'm moving and staying in Glad- staying in Scotland. In fact, mm. uh, we have a uh, latest album from Camera Obscura, hey. who have uh, one of these bands that I suppose have been in the kind of shadow of Bell and Sebastian, really for yeah, quite a long time now. Quite a long time, yeah. yeah. And they used to have the same thing of obviously the dual male female vocal, but mm. the guy that was in the band, John Henderson, I think his name was, left a few albums ago. So it's now just Tracy Ann Campbell mm. um, doing stuff. Um, and I think it's fair to say this is on similar lines as the Katie Tunstall album mm-hmm. in feel. Do you say? Well, yeah, I'd say it's um, it's got a slightly livelier feel in part than the Katie Tunstall album. Um, whilst again, it's one of the quieter albums that we've reviewed this year. Um, it, it it has I think it has more engaging than Katie Tunstall album. To be quite honest with you, um, I found. That listening to this album, I, I could I could sort of get into the songs a little bit more, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It, it was the the, the 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 lyrics on some of the songs were were more engaging. Um, I could listen to New Year's Resolution, for example, and know exactly what she was thinking or, or saying at that point. It's um, one of the better tracks on the album, and it is one of the stronger tracks on the album. And there's another track on the album. I don't know if it's This Is Love or or one of the others. It's been playing regularly on the radio as well. So so perhaps one or two more pop moments in here than the Katie Tunstall album. That's not to detract from the Katie Sunstall album, but, mm. but um, um, yeah, this was a, 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 a more engaging listen. I, 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 I'm kind of understand this one because this is an album I was quite looking forward to because I, I quite liked the, the two previous albums, yeah. uh, Let's Get Out of the Country, and particularly 2009's My Morning Career, which I thought was per- perfected the art of kind of country folk tinge Scott pop, if you like. Um, but I struggled with this one has to has to be said apart right. from things like uh, new year's resolution do it again which reminded me of early lone justice uh, and break it gently which was had hints of maybe 10,000 maniacs type thing I, th- I felt the rest of it felt a bit kind of flat for me um so i kind of thought it kind of meandered its way through its playing time without really doing enough to leave a lasting impression oh. which speaking to somebody that's would say because a fan of the band necessarily, but someone that's that's always quite liked the band. I actually thought this was probably their weakest release in their last three. So I was a bit kind of. Oh, mm. that is a shame. As someone as a relative novice, I quite enjoyed it. So, in our race to get to the pub, 
and get out <laughs> get a really race hot to get room. To somewhere really cold. Uh, we get <laughs> we get our dancing shoes on. Yay! Not literally because we can't move. <laughs> and we settle in for some disclosure. Uh, which, who are Guy and Howard Lawrence? Right. And I can disclose that I found this album dull, drab, dreary. <laughs> this is really. This, Do you want to expand on that? <laughs> oh yeah, I want to expand on that. Um, this is a band that seems to have kind of just plundered Todd Terry's back catalogue and come up with a selection of tedious wannabe eighties house tunes that either go on forever, yeah. or in the case of stimulation, just feel like they go on forever. <laughs> And you know, and th- 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 oh, yeah, there are a couple of moments in the album where where it seems to me there's a good song trying to make an effort to make a run for it. Mm. Uh, so on maybe you and me voices January for example, and January for example. But for me, the Lawrence Brothers managed to beat them and high hat them to death to ensure that that doesn't actually happen. There's a very, <laughs> um, as you said, late eighties, early mid nineties, a garage. UK garage sound to this um, and it was never a particular subgenre of house music that I was into I have to confess uh, and, and as you say it's, it's, it's not always a, an easy listen of an album it's, it's one of those you can kind of, kind of put it on in the background quietly and, um, it, and it, you know it's good, it's good to have on and it might even tap your toe not in your case uh, no um, I, I thought it had some interesting ideas. I quite liked, I actually liked one of the tracks. Um, I actually quite liked White Noise, which I thought had a real sort of, I think when, when it, let me, let me clarify. I think when it, the album was stronger, or when the highlights of the album occur, it was tracks like White Noise where they actually take not just the, sort of the plodding yeah. of, 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 of Garage, but then actually added something to it. And there was a kind of, 80s riff oh good we're coming to this on the next album um, there was kind of an 80s riff running through it as well which sort of added, gave it a little bit of character plus they had a guest female vocalist Alina Jordan on that album as well um, I, mean, I, I mean I agree with that. I mean I suppose White Noise is alright but, but I think again it's kind of supposed to book with that I, I think the song itself is, is alright and whether you like the track or not is probably more to do with whether you like the kind of slightly whiny little girl voice that she she has, um, which I think if you remember when we when, when we reviewed, reviewed them on the on the BBC thing, I stressed that that was a thing that kind of didn't oh, appeal yes. to me yes. for Luna George. Cause now, I, I found, now it's going I found, to me, yes. I found her vocals yeah. kind of got on my nerves after a bit. Oh, right. uh, same thing kind of happened here. Um, I mean, for me, I, I, you know, it's, it seems to be at the moment reading around that the accepted line at the moment is that they're the saviors of dance music. Um, which, if that's true, I find that quite depressing myself. Um, you know, in the words of the band themselves, when the fire starts to burn, make sure you throw your copy of this album on it. Oh! <laughs> You've not liked this album, have you? Uh... <laughs> I think it's best of it it's my least favourite of the ones I, I don't think you've been that critical for quite a while <laughs> now it had in a final I don't know why I'm defending this album I didn't no, enjoy it either it. No, I didn't enjoy it either to be honest with you but you know I could sort of see see where it's coming from uh, it features our old friend yeah, Jamie Woon as well <laughs> Oh, yeah, Jan- Jamie Woon? Yeah, January was January, one. January, January, that's January, a good January, track. I said January was one yeah. of the few times there was a song trying to make yeah. quite its way out of their production. Yeah. 
And even F for you was okay. But uh, yeah, okay. I, I have to confess, not the most engaging album of the podcast. No, not, not even close. No. Okay. Which leaves us with Pet Shop Boys' umpteenth album. Twelfth. <laughs> Twelfth, there you yeah. go. Not as many as Black Sabbath. Well, you know. There's time. They haven't split up yet. No, they haven't. Uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, and more than that, the second album in 12 months. Yes. You usually have to wait for about 30 three, three or four years. About 30 if you can count that um, thing that was them that wasn't them. The soundtrack you think. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, I know. yeah, the ballet. Yeah, the yes, ballet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, third album in two or three years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, so anyway, this apparently is. Uh, I mean, regular listeners will remember that I actually didn't actually mind their album of that last 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 year. Uh, they had only to read that apparently uh, that wasn't actually a very good album, and this was a return to form. It depends what you're reading. Um, and I'm not going to fall into the trap, he said. Of um, reviewing the last album as part of my review for this album, which seems very one or two notable music critics have done. They've given this album glowing uh, reviews, but only by sort of building on the, the faults in the previous album. I actually thought the previous album was a classic um, in the making, and I think I said that at the time. Yes, and we will be reflecting back on that someday, as except for winner, obviously. except for winner, obviously, as a, as a latter day behaviour. Um, this album has just got to number three. Which I think is their biggest chart success for an album in about 20 years. Which I think, again, I think is unfair on on some of the albums from the mid-last decade, like um, Fundamental, for example. Yeah. And yes, whilst I found yes a bit commercial, a bit poppy for me, you know, it had its, again, it was a good, solid Pet Shop Boys album. Um, This album is different. It feels like a release of energy. After 28 years with Parlophone, um, they have gone their separate ways. They have got their own, um, um, well, they've got their own arrangement now, but they have their own, this album's on their own label. Um, so there is a, a definite shift in terms of the production, in terms of in terms of a sort of a, an energy or a theme that runs behind the album. It's very much, uh, another, and another comparison some of the critics made, is very much what the Daft Punk album wasn't which is a fresher electronic sounding album yeah. as opposed to a purely uh, retrospective album. Now, I, I like, again, really did like and still continue to listen to the Daft Punk album, so no, I've no problem with that. But this is very much, I suppose, what the Daft Punk album could have been, um, particularly in moments like Axis. Which yes, is the, my, my favourite song of the album. The instrumental that sort of preceded the album which is an absolutely brilliant blinder of an instrumental track. I agree. And, um, and funny you mentioned Daft Punk, Punk there, because obviously, obviously in the, in this in that particular track, yeah. it manages to uh, give a, a not-so-subtle nod to Sheik's I Want Your Love. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Of course. Um, and on one or two of the other tr- more instrumental tracks of the album, again, that, that, that sort of rises to the surface. Um for me, on there, there, of course, there are songs on here as well. Um, we wouldn't expect anything less. Um, whilst I'm going to deal with my my only sort of critical criticism of the album is um, they they set out for this album to be very banging. It is banging. Facing criticism from the last album, in which case it was no banging or lasers. Um, there are times when the production, the Stuart Price production, which is otherwise excellent. Is too banging. It's just too damn loud. It's like 
listening to a Batman film, you know, the music's just there over the top of everything. Um, but other than that, I think this is an excellent album. It's, um, it's a real return to form. No, they've never been away. It's not even a comeback. Um, I think it is probably one of their best albums in a long time. Um, that's not to say that as a super fan, I don't sort of have my, my sort of things with it. One of which I've mentioned, I won't mention any others because I thought, because, because I know you probably will. Um, my favourite tracks of the album, um, Love is a Bourgeois Construct and probably Inside a Dream, which has a real nice 80s cowbell riff somewhere in the middle. Yeah? Yeah. I'll go with that. Okay. I also like vocal, but I'll let you tackle vocal. Uh, I don't mind vocal either. That was the single. Uh, and although amusingly it does use some of the same cliched dance beats that I was criticising Disclosure for u- using however, yes. however seemingly to me in a more kind of knowing and it was more of a nod way rather, yeah, than, rather, it's than, more a, of a... rather than a I don't know yes I may be being a fair Disclosure I don't think I am but it was yeah. more of a nostalgic sort of look um, yeah I mean I, I I didn't like this album as much as I liked last year's one right um However, I suggest you did like it, though. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was fine. Yes, um, I, did, too. I said Axis. Uh, I say when when it came out, uh, I, I like a lot. I should say partly for my business because it's essentially an instrumental track, so it means that I don't have the Neil Tennant vocal issue <laughs> issue, issue issue going on because he's in there, but slightly kind of computerized. Uh, so that's not really an issue. Um, elsewhere, elsewhere. There's a, an interesting cover of Springsteen's Last to Die of his Magic yep. album of a few years ago. I left you to cover that. Um, <laughs> as you say, you've got uh, Love is a Bourgeois Construct, which is uh, almost a great track. Um, I mean, it is classic Pet Shop Boys. It's classic it, it, both, Shop both Boys. lyrically and and, yeah, and and musically. I mean, it, it's one of those Pet Shop Boys songs that could have come from yep. pretty much any period of Pet Shop Boys give or take but, um, but what ruins it for me no. is the lift from Henry Purcell's King Arthur right. which is a horrible piece of music full stop and kind of just pervades the, the whole thing and the kind of uh, sporadic kind of go west choir as I'll call uh, well, them I think, I think those, those are two things that make it because um, what what this album what this album has been described as te- Tesco te- techno Tesco techno meets disco, and I think that whole Henry Purcell riff it, it's such a it's such a, a naff bourgeois tune, and it perhaps and you're dealing with such a, a disappointed bourgeois character in 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 there, and and and, and, and the more you listen because it's quite a long song it tells quite a story in itself and actually you feel empathy for the character because it's quite a sad story by the end um but but i think that just sits quite nicely and sort of and, and also it has that sort of back-to-back you know um disco cheesy disco so back to bark sorry um sound from the from you know saturday night fever Dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little nod to, to yeah. To I mean, disco. There were a few, I mean, there are a few other yeah. nods in the, on the album. Fluores- there's parts of fluorescent where I kept having to fight back the urge to sing "We Fade to Grey." Along, well, I think that again a deliberate nod to Fade to Grey. Um, the worst track on the album is quite clearly "Thursday." Oh right, um, 
with example with example our old friend example example yeah uh, yeah yeah that's it's yeah I mean it's bad enough before he comes in but as soon as he comes in mm. it get it gets even worse I quite like those uh, yeah. <laughs> and then and then obviously I, I I can't leave the review without mentioning Bolshi mm. which is just one of those just so bad and annoying that I was singing it to work today. Kind of <laughs> and this is guilty again of recycling house beats that I give yeah. disclosure of. Uh, by embarrassing myself and my entire family to admit that I quite like this one. <laughs> Even its nods at Axel F. Really? Alright, okay. No, fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, I thought... Uh, an, okay, an okay record. I, I, I obviously I obviously love this album. And, and despite... The, the pressures of listening to seven albums from the podcast I've somehow found the time to listen to this about five or six times on loop <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's I, I'm, I'm so I'm so proud so proud of them this week this year in fact well I'm going to end there before I say anything else yeah maybe there'll be a, a royal baby Neil or Chris <laughs> <laughs> of course by the time you listen to this you'll know the answer to that or Aussie <laughs> Aussie Windsor Aussie Aussie Neil Chris Windsor <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> oh, till next time check breaking. out our website <laughs> at cttbmusic.co.uk also follow us on twitter at cttbmusic the cttbmusic podcast is a Vineland production <laughs>